Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. We talked about this very last week, just last week, about your concerns over violence as we go through 2024 leading up to the 2024 election. It's a very real threat. We just had the third anniversary of January 6th. That was violence. That's political violence. Uh, Our next guest we've brought on uh, before to talk about where we're at as a country and the civility or lack thereof. Former Wisconsin Congressman Scott Klug. Scott, thank you so much. He is on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker hotline. I guess let me just ask you that. When you look at this country and how fractured we are approaching another presidential election that will be very divisive, uh, what are your fears about escalating uh, tension and possibly violence? Well, it's not my fear. I mean, I think if you look at most polling that's done, somewhere between 70 and 80 percent of the American public are worried about uh, political violence. And, you know, we've seen that, you know, not only in terms of uh, people to people. I mean, you know, I'm mad at you because you're for Trump and you're mad at me because I'm for Biden. You also see it, I think, in terms of, you know, look at the floor of the U.S. Senate a couple of weeks ago in a hearing where a senator from Oklahoma Ask the president of the Teamsters to step out in the hallway. Mark and to make Mullen. it even yep. more ridiculous, yeah, and to make it even more ridiculous, the guy from Oklahoma is actually a former MMA professional wrestler. So it was, you know, beyond the pale. And and we think about this thing in the U.S. largely hypothetically, aside from January 6th, but in England, most people don't realize that two members of parliament were killed by constituents over the last four years. Uh, one, a young woman with uh, by somebody who was a right wing extremist upset over her vote on Brexit. And uh, the other one, uh, a member of uh, a small town just south of London who thought he was meeting with a constituent and it was an Islamic fundamentalist who stabbed him to death. And the British did something interesting, which, which I think we should think about. They actually established national political civility awards on the idea that you should honor people who do it the right way to serve as role models. And and I think that's a great suggestion we should think about taking up. In fact, the first one's pretty interesting because, you know, as, as passionate as abortion is in the U.S., uh, in, in a lot of ways, Brexit was even more so in the U.K. I mean, obviously, given the one murder I just talked about. So the first person who won it was actually the guy who led the fight for Brexit in Parliament, because what he did the night of the election when they won as he stood up and said, you know what, whenever we do these, you stand up and crow about and basically humiliate the other side. And I think that's the last thing we should do. And I'm going to go home and have a quiet glass of champagne by myself because I'm happy that we won. But I realize how many people have been hurt by this, how divisive it's been. And tomorrow morning, we have to figure out a way to work together. And when is the hell the last time you heard that from an American politician? Uh, I cannot remember. But, Scott, you talk about giving an award in British society, and that's wonderful. It's it's great. But is it just an award? Does it have any teeth? I mean, is there anything more to it that would make people – 
I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know. Is it just an award is what I'm asking? And how does the public really care about that? Fair point. It actually has become a fairly significant uh, national event in, in UK politics and gets massive coverage. But again, I don't I don't know that you can sell this Jordana sort of with one sweeping thing. We sort of have to start one at a time. I mean, it's got to start again with people in civility. And, you know, there's a great story actually from Duluth. Uh, I don't know if you know this. Is, it's probably been going on for almost 20 years that in Duluth, um, a new guy takes over as the editor of the Duluth Tribune. He came from Chicago, not exactly a general place in terms of politics. He walks through the newsroom and he hears police scanners go off because they're scrambling to send cop cars to the Duluth City Council because a fistfight has broken out with several members of the city council. And Duluth, and this is two, 2002, 2003, had really bitter fights over city and county budgets. And, and obviously, if you're ending up with fistfights in the city council, it's pretty bad. So what the Duluth community did is they pulled together folks from all sides, and they developed something called um, um, uh, Speak Your Peace, as in P-A-C-E as a, as, a, as a reference. And people even today in the city council, the Douglas County, Superior County over in Wisconsin, um, the airport authority, all of the local units of government, anybody who serves on those is expected to carry in their wallet a card that basically lays out six or seven principles, which sort of sounds like what you'd get in kindergarten class. But we need to be reminded of this today, which is <laughs> what's the difference between that, what's the difference between kindergartners and members of Congress? We can start there. Well, <laughs> well, uh, well, the difference is that kindergartners listen when it yeah. says respect what there other people go. say. <laughs> yeah. Give, you know, give admit when you're wrong, uh, congratulate other people, you know, when they do a job well done. And so that, that lesson actually um, has held in Duluth to a large degree, and not totally. I mean, we're in a different environment than we were 20 years ago. But they actually give speeches around the country talking about this Duluth project. So there's a story right in Minnesota where, I mean, has it made everybody happy? Do they sing folk songs at night when the city council meetings get over? No. But they've learned, I think, a key thing we forget. The person on the other side has the right to their opinion and you have to respect their opinion. It doesn't mean you have to agree with it. It doesn't have to mean you embrace it. But I think it's a fundamental principle of democracy, which is based on conflict and based on people fighting for their ideas. But the difference is, at the end of the day, you have to acknowledge one another's differences and figure out a way to get things done. And This, you know, this all sounds great, Scott. I mean, it sounds... Uh, Almost like my world where rainbows and unicorns are prevalent. We're, we're speaking, by the way, with Scott Klug, um, former Madison Republican congressman in Madison, Wisconsin. And he now has a podcast called Lost in the Middle, America's Political Orphans. And his goal is to bring people together and have um, quality public discourse, even if you disagree. Scott, let me ask you this. There is a debate here locally, and I know you're not up on all Minnesota politics here, but um, locally we're talking about cutting back on public commentary at things like city council meetings or school board meetings because sometimes, you know, the school board will be talking about lunches and then somebody runs in and yells free Palestine. And they're saying that's off brand. We shouldn't have that. And they're talking about cutting back on having the public be able to comment because of some disruptors. What are your thoughts on that? Should public commentary still be you know, a huge portion of these public forums, or is that a good idea to cut back? 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Well, you know, so I have sort of the whole axis of evil covered here. So I was a journalist for 14 years. Oh, boy. Yes, a news anchor. That's right. Yeah, it's not done yet. I spent eight years as a politician. Then I spent 10 years as a lobbyist, right? But throughout all of those checkered and embarrassing careers, um, I actually believe very strongly in the First Amendment. But there's a time and a place, right? If you have a city council meeting and there's enough uh, uh, people in the community who want to talk about a particular issue, I think um, they should be able to do it, but at the right place in the right time. I think the city councils, county boards, state legislatures all have assignments where they've got to get things done. And it can't be a free-for-all where people can just sort of march in and try to change the agenda. Um, Madman Madison, you know, my hometown's famous for this, where the city council is voting on Gaza and Israel and can't figure out how to fix the traffic light two blocks from my house. Um, so I think that's sort of in the nature of the way some city councils get run. But I'm a, I'm a free speech First Amendment guy where I think you have to let the public comment. You have to have a time and a place for people to be involved in making their opinions known. But I also think you have to respect the fact that it's a, in a governing body that has a series of assignments to do that demand that the public figure out the right forum to express yeah. their grievances. We were just having that conversation because the Minneapolis City Council is doing the very same thing that you just mentioned, too. But I agree with that. I think you, you put up with the people who ramble on for three minutes about something that's non-existent to give the guy a right to have his three minutes about the variance that's affecting his street. I think that's critical to our, our democracy. Let me ask you this, is because, we re- Scott, we wrestle with this question all the time about the reason it's it, – Politics has become a zero-sum game where it's, there's no compromise, where it's like we have to win and completely win and give no victory to the other side. I mean, what, what possibly can we do to change that? Well, I think, I think that's a distorted impression, and let me tell you why. I think that debate in this country has been captured by the extremes on both sides. So I think we talked about this last time. If you ask the American people, Brookings Institute did this, a Washington, D.C. think tank that's a teeny bit left of center, the kind of place Jordan is happier listening to. But when they surveyed 2,000 people, they asked them whether they wanted a Republican Party further to the right, a Democratic Party further to the left, sort of leave things alone or split the difference. And, and the answer is 10% wanted a further left Democratic Party, 10% wanted a further right Republican Party, 44% of the public says somewhere in the middle. And those folks are not involved in the sort of, you know, street brawls, arguments at the dinner table, you know, fights at the city council. They just want things to get done. And for people actually to cooperate, not in a bipartisan basis, in a nonpartisan basis, And they don't talk about compromise. They talk about collaboration because compromise sounds like, well, I'm giving away some stuff I really thought was important to get this other piece of stuff over there. So I think we we, we get lost in this. And the the other part of it, because, you know, I worked in the press for 
you know, years and years and I'm, I'm still attached and I have lots of good friends who, who work in television and work in newspapers and magazines. I, I think it's such a tough business that, you know, the only people, the shrinking number of people who are willing to pay for cable, unless they're diehard sports fans, and I don't mean that facetiously, it's people who really care about MSNBC and really care about Fox. And when you go down those rabbit holes, I meant, you know, you don't get any divergent opinion. And so I think what's happened is we're in a, in a world where the social media matters more than anything else. And the existing media has to be partisan because it's the only way they can grab viewers or grab readers. And so that amplifies sort of the 10 percent on the left and the 10 percent on the right. But the folks who call you in, call into your show or talk to you or you meet on the street or who listen to you on a regular basis, I think are probably part of that 45 percent that says, look, this is just crazy. We got to figure out how to work these things out. That makes me feel heartened. I'm queasy about the whole thing that, you know, just grabbing ratings is what gets people to watch and being so divisive. But I hope you're right, Scott. I really do. And before we let you go, I kind of want to tackle this topic uh, and, and I just want to know your thoughts on this immigration issue that we're having in the country. I, I don't expect you to solve immigration. I'll do that in the next hour of the show. But, um, Scott, uh, what I was watching an interview, you know, with Mike Johnson, and he was being interviewed, I don't know, Margaret Brennan or, or whatever. And, and all he did was blame President Biden about nothing getting done at the border and this crisis that we're having. And, and she reminded him, she said, okay, but you make the laws. Congress makes laws. President Biden doesn't make laws. What have you done? And he quickly, you know, changed it around to, again, the Biden policies being terrible on immigration. Mike, my, my, my bigger question when I set this up, excuse me, Scott, is, is, is immigration just a political football or can Congress and the administration actually solve this problem if they chose to? Well, look, I think the answer is if, you know, the three of us go down to a coffee shop in downtown Minneapolis, four blocks from where you are, and gather everybody in that coffee shop and ask them and say, what do you want to do? I would think within 10 minutes, we can agree that the border needs to be more secured and that there has to be a pathway to citizenship for dreamers. I mean, George W. Bush tried to do this in the early 2000s and couldn't get it done because it was more effective for the Republicans and Democrats as a political issue than it was a public policy issue. And I think this is just crazy. Now, in defense of the speaker, Congress makes the law. The administration has the assignment to execute the law as it is. And I think that would be where the disagreement is. But clearly, as a country, we can't go on having these kind of numbers of immigrants coming over the border without any sense of control. I mean, it, you know, we've had a long, proud system of immigration in this country. We're a country based on immigrants, for God's sakes, and we need them to help the economy grow. And most folks I know, I mean, I just watched, you know, six guys listening to mariachi music and all speaking in Spanish who were putting a roof on across the street for me, and you couldn't find any harder workers than putting a roof on when it's 20 degrees outside. I mean, God bless them. But there's got to be normal controls and it can't be going the way it is. And if you don't have border security, then the message gets down to Central and Latin America that says, well, the door's open, keep coming. And so, um, Jordana, the answer is, I think the American public, again, my 44% who self-define as centrist, 
think there's a common sense solution to this. And for 22 years, it's been a great political issue. And back to my story about the British guy who got um, the first award for British civility because he stood up and said, I'm not going to crow about winning because we all have to work together tomorrow morning. Let's get things done. Wouldn't it be fascinating to actually see somebody come stand up in Congress and said, let's get this done. And then go ahead, full speed ahead. But, you know, it's an election year. And so, you know, if you frustrate it today, you got another 11 months to be even more frustrated. Oh, oh goody. <laughs> Scott, thank you so much for the time. As always, uh, we'll reach out again. Uh, I love these conversations and uh, please join us again. I will. And one more cheap plug. It's www.lostmiddle.com. And uh, love to have some more listeners out there and mm-hmm. tune in. We'll uh, tell you similar stories from around the country. And, and I hope the storm that's now burying me here in Madison stays away yeah. from Minneapolis. It so is. Good, luck. good luck with that snow. Yeah. yeah. Some of us want it. Some of us don't. Thank you, Scott. All right. Stay warm. Bye-bye. Scott Kluge. Yeah, uh, the podcast is Lost in mm-hmm. the Middle, America's Political Orphans. Uh, if, you, if, you know, if you want to listen, search it wherever you get podcasts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.